Yeah, I don't think the iPhone is going to make it. Do y'all? It's not going to have Hey, one of the things I love about those quotes is it proves to us, uh, number one, rich people aren't necessarily smarter than the rest of us. And uh, in some cases, smart people like Albert Einstein aren't smarter than the rest of us. So all of us have a hard time predicting the future, don't we? But the point of this entire series is I've suggested that you can predict your future. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. And then what I want to do today is shift gears just a bit. And I want to take the concepts we've been talking about over the last few weeks. And I want to focus them or center them specifically on how it applies to your spiritual growth and your relationship with your heavenly father but before i get into that let me introduce this idea here's something that's true about all of us it doesn't matter you know who you are i think all of us just from our own experiences know this is true that not all decisions have equal impact isn't that right not all decisions have equal impact in other words there are some decisions you make that move you slowly in the right direction and they're important and they're but they're incremental you know it's just another step and another step and another step and then there's some decisions you make in your life that propel you and accelerate you in the right direction. It, they just help you go so much further faster. When you make those decisions, you just feel like, man, I made a lot of progress once I did that. And the same thing's true on the other side. There are some decisions you make that move you in the wrong direction, but they move you incrementally. As a matter of fact, they, they move you so little that you feel a little bit of pain, but you can recover pretty quickly from them. And then there are other decisions, and we've all done this, there are other decisions you make that propel you and accelerate you so fast in the wrong direction that it's really hard to avoid the consequence. You just can't. It propel, propels you so far in the wrong direction that's like, I just committed to that consequence and I can't get out of it now. And I, if I had it to go back again and we could all think you know, about these instances, man, I would change that decision because that decision sealed the deal that I was going to face that pain. The other thing that's interesting about this is not only do all decisions not have equal impact, but... I've noticed in my own life, and maybe this is true for you, it is often the decisions that cost me the, mo the most in the moment that propel me in the right direction the furthest. In other words, the more sacrifice is required or the more a price has to be paid, the better the benefit is down the road. And on the other side, I have noticed that the decisions that are often easiest for me and the decisions that are, oh man, yeah, absolutely, that's going to be fun to do right now, those decisions are often the ones that propel me the fastest in the wrong direction. Now, the reason this idea is important to understand is because of what we've been talking about the past few weeks. That there is a principle that is true for all people throughout the world, and it applies itself to us whether we want it to apply itself to us or not. It is just a part of life, and I call it the direction principle. It simply says this, that decisions, not intentions, determine direction. In other words, decisions are incredibly powerful. Because decisions always move you in a certain direction. And some decisions, as we just said, are more powerful than others because they move you faster in a certain direction. But this is just common sense, isn't it? We all know, well, we're going to wind up where the road we're on ends up. That's just the way it works. And what's so interesting about this idea to me is, if we were able to make decisions in a vacuum, well, we would always make good decisions. This isn't rocket science, and in most cases, and you know this because you do it with other people, in most cases, when, there, when the decision's in a vacuum and there are no emotions attached, you almost always know the right thing you should do. The thing that makes decisions so difficult and the thing that trips us up when it comes to this principle is we don't get to make decisions in a vacuum. Our decisions are always made within the cloud or the fog or the haze 
of emotions. And as we talked about last week, emotions do a couple of things. Anything with strong emotional appeal, it tends to lower our defenses. We become less cautious, less careful, less concerned about warning signs. And emotions tend to raise our defensiveness. Emotions cause us to go, no, 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 I don't want to listen to you, and I'm not listening to you, and no, you, you don't know what you're talking about, and that's none of your business. And emotions end up costing us deeply. Emotions aren't bad, but they can cost us deeply if we allow the emotions to drive the decisions that we make. Because what emotions do time after time, what strong emotional appeal does, is it tempts us or it baits us to do this, to trade what we want most for what we want now. This is what it always comes down to. Whenever we're making decisions, and you intuitively know this, this is something you've felt over and over again, just like I have when you made a decision. You felt there's a conflict here between what I want most and what I want now. And the reason you feel that conflict is because emotion is involved. If you can take emotion out of it, well, in a vacuum, the decision is simple and it's easy. You know what you should do. But with emotion, it tends to pull you towards what you want now. I'll give you a couple quick examples. Here's one of the things that we all want most. What we all want most is satisfying. What I mean by that is we want to experience long-term satisfaction in life. All of us want to experience that. For instance, all of us financially want to experience long-term satisfaction. Long-term satisfaction looks like this. We want to be people who are generous, who have a generous heart. We want to be people who have margin. We want to be people who are at peace financially, who have financial freedom. That's what we all want most. Well, why don't we all end up there? Well, because every time we make a financial decision, there's something other than that at play, isn't it? There are some emotions at play that are pulling us towards what we want now. They're pulling us towards appealing, towards appealing. Okay, satisfying is what I want most, but that thing right there is appealing. Satisfying is what I want most, but I think I should go ahead and figure out how to, you know, go into debt or manage things or finagle things in order to get that. There's a tension. We all felt this before. There's a tension between appealing, oh, I want it now, and satisfying, oh, that's what I want most. Same thing's true in relationships. I mean, what we all want most is ultimately to be, for those of us who are married, to be in a marriage relationship that experiences long-term satisfaction, a marriage relationship where we stay in love, happy together forever. That's what everybody wants most who's married. But the struggle comes because there's some things now that are more appealing. What's more appealing now sometimes is that's what I want to do, and I'm going to spend more time doing what I want to do than investing in who I love. I'm going to spend more time chasing that right now because that's a great opportunity. And yes, it's going to cost me time with this person who I want to be in love with forever, but I'll make up for that later. And again, we feel the tension between what's appealing and satisfying, what we want now and what we want most. I'll give you one other example of this. What we want most is fulfilling. This is true for everybody. We want to live a life of purpose and meaning and significance. All of us want to get to the end of our lives and look back and go, there was a life well lived. I feel like I made a difference. I'm not just going to disappear from this earth and be forgotten after a few years. I made an impact. I left a legacy. That's what everybody wants. We all want fulfilling. But in the moment, in the moment, it's sometimes difficult to choose the decisions that lead to fulfilling because we also want fun right now. And sometimes fun and fulfilling go together, but sometimes fun conflicts with fulfilling, doesn't it? And when fun con conflicts with fulfilling, well, all of a sudden, there's that tension again. And am I going to choose the long view, and am I going to play the long game, or am I going to just chase what I want right now? 
This is something, if you had parents who understood this, they were always trying to instill this in you. They were trying to help you think about what was best in the long term and not in the short term. Because we are all wired, if we're not careful, because of the strong emotional pull of things to choose the short term. And again, there's nothing wrong with appealing and there's nothing wrong with fun unless appealing and fun cost you satisfying and fulfilling. We always have to navigate through this tension of, is what I'm wanting right now going to cost me what I actually want most? Now, the reason I bring this up is because, again, one, not all of your decisions have equal impact. So sometimes you and I can make decisions that if we're not careful can propel us or accelerate us in the wrong direction and cost us what we want most. Or sometimes we can make decisions that will propel and accelerate us towards what we want most, even though it may cost us something right now. It's important to understand that. It's important to understand this also because you know this, you just have one life and so do I. And once you're through your 20s, you don't get to live them again. Once you're through your 30s, 40s, 50s, you don't get to live them again. Once you've experienced that, you don't get to go back and rewind and say, oh my goodness, well now I understand, let me go back and, no, no, you've got to make these decisions in the moment. Which means you and I have to have enough discipline to pause and go, okay, I know what I want now. But is this decision going to move me in the direction of what I want most or not? Now, not surprisingly, Jesus talked about this tension quite a bit. He talked about it in terms of how we experience it with life in general, and he talked about it in terms of our spiritual growth, our spiritual life, what it means to follow him. And what he had to say about this was not very popular. It wasn't popular in the first century, and it's not really popular today. But as we unpack it, I think you're going to see what he was actually getting at is this simple tension of don't ever trade or sacrifice what you want most. For what you want now because that is a trade you always regret so let me read you what he had to say and then I'm going to give you a couple challenges that are very difficult but a couple challenges that I am convinced will accelerate and propel you towards what you want most so here's what Jesus said about this then Jesus said to his disciples whoever wants to be my disciple now let me just pause right here and define a disciple because a disciple is not just someone who believes in Jesus I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, okay, that's fine, but that doesn't make any of us a disciple. A disciple is someone who has, who has devoted themselves to following the ways of Jesus. It's very different. In other words, a disciple is someone, everybody's got a philosophy of life. Whenever you have a decision you have to make, you have a filter. You may not realize it, but you have a filter through which you run all of your decisions and decide, am I going to do this, this, or this? Well, a disciple is somebody who has committed themselves to, every time I have a decision, I'm going to run it through the filter of what Jesus said and what Jesus taught. That, that's what a disciple is. A disciple doesn't always get it right, but a disciple is committed to running everything through that filter and trying to allow what Jesus said and what Jesus did to guide what they do and what they say. So Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple, if that's really the way you want to live, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Well, that doesn't sound pleasant at all. And Jesus says, no, it's not going to be always pleasant in the moment. In other words, this was Jesus' way of saying, you need to know if you're going to follow me, you're going to run into this tension often between what you want now and what you want most. And that tension is going to be painful. And in order to choose what you want most, it's going to cost you some things that you want right now. There is no way around it. 
You're going to have to pay that price to experience the kind of life that you most want to experience. You want fulfilling? You want satisfying? You want purpose? You're going to have to pay a price now. You're going to have to deny yourself some things right now. Say no to yourself now. Say no to your emotions now so that you can get where you most want to be. Jesus never invited people into a life of self-help. His message was never, oh, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to make life easier for you every step of the way. If you'll just do what I say, you're always going to get what you want. Jesus never invited people into a life of self-help. He actually invited people into a life of self-denial. Well, what is the point of that? Well, Jesus taught this. He taught that self-denial is the way to what you want most. It's just not the way always to what you want now. As a matter of fact, here's the way he taught it. He goes on, he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. That's so counterintuitive. It almost sounds like a riddle, doesn't it? It's like, what do you mean by that? Well, here's all he means. All of us are hardwired to try to save our lives. To save your life simply means, I'll tell you what, I'm going to try to protect everything I have. I'm going to try to hold on to everything I have. I'm going to try to experience everything I want to experience. I know what I want my life to be like, and so I'm going to grab and hold and grab and hold and grab and hold, and I'm going to chase and pursue and chase and pursue and chase and pursue. But Jesus says, this is counterintuitive. Here's what you have to realize. That as long as you try to grab onto and hold onto everything, as long as you're always chasing what you want now, you will actually in the end get to your life and realize you lost the very life you wanted most. Yeah, but I think what I want now is going to help lead to satisfaction and fulfillment. And Jesus says, nope, it's not. Because what you and I want now, more times than not, is driven by strong emotional appeal. And our emotions have clouded our judgment. It actually puts us in a direction that we don't ultimately want to be. The best way I can explain it is this. The people who choose what they want now, day after day after day, are people who get to the end of their life and they have nothing to show for their life, but their life. They have nothing to show for their life, but, well, they were on this earth for 70 years. They were on this earth for 80 years. Well, they just consumed and consumed and consumed, and they tried to get everything for themselves they could possibly get out of life, and then they get to the end of life, and those people have nothing to show for their life that will outlast their life. As a matter of fact, you know this because we've all watched this happen, and some of us have lived it. If you wake up every day pursuing what you want now, it will eventually cause you to lose your life in terms of your marriage, in terms of your financial freedom, in terms of your satisfaction, in terms of your peace of mind, because it never satisfies, does it? So Jesus says, this is very counterintuitive, but I'm not inviting you into a life of self-denial because I'm trying to take something from you. I'm actually trying to show you the road that's going to take you to where you most want to be. The person, he says, who decides to lose their life, and then he uses these two words, for me. In other words, the person who says, I'm willing to say no to myself today in order to experience what I want most in life. I'm willing to say no to my emotions now so that I can live a more significant life. Jesus says, if you're willing to do that and you lose your life for me, because people lose their lives for all kinds of things. People sacrifice and deny themselves for all kinds of things. That doesn't mean you're on the right road, but he says, if you will just follow my instructions, which are going to require you to say no to yourself at times, but if you will lose your life for me, his promise is, in the end, 
you will actually find your life. Now, that's very hard to actually believe and follow. So let me see if I can get you to think of it this way. Here's what I want you to do. If you're sitting there thinking, well, that doesn't sound like any fun. Well, that's not true. But if that, you're like, Jesus is just trying to steal all the fun from us. Okay, play along with me for a second. I want you to go home today, and I want you to get an empty box, okay? Find an empty box. It's going to say prime on it somewhere, all right? So find a box. If you don't have an empty box, you just wait two days. One of them will show up on your doorstep, and it's, we never remember what's in it, do we? It's like, oh, it's Christmas all over again. So open it up. Find out whatever it is you ordered, and then you got an empty box, okay? Put your empty box on the counter, and then here's what I want you to do. I want you to gather up all the fun that you have had in the last year. You say, I can't do that. I know, but play along. I want you to gather up all the fun that you have had in the last year, okay? I want you to look at that box, gather up all the fun you've had in the last year, and I want you to put it in that box. And then I want you to gather up all the wasted money that you have spent in the last year. You know what that looks like. It's the stuff that after you bought it, you're like, what was I thinking? It's the stuff that still has tags on it. You've never used it. You know, it's the stuff that, oh, that was just a terrible investment. Whatever it was. All the wasted money. I want you to put it in that box. And then I want you to look at that box, and I want you to ask yourself this question. What do I feel? When you're looking at that box, what do you feel? I'll tell you what you feel. Pretty much nothing. Pretty much nothing. You don't feel hardly anything. And the reason you don't feel hardly anything is not because, you know, fun's a bad thing or any. No, no. The reason you don't feel hardly anything is because fun is a moment. All that wasted money, it was a moment. There's nothing wrong with fun. The problem with fun is because it's only a moment, as soon as you're past that moment, you lose that fun. And then you're looking for the next fun, and then you're looking for the next fun because it doesn't travel with you. Fun is not a traveling companion. Now, here's the other thing I want you to do. I want you to imagine you've got that box on your counter, and I want you to put in that box all the times in the last year that you have sacrificed in some way for someone else. Maybe you need a smaller box. I don't know. So go back past a year, all right, because we won't fill the box up. So however long you have to go back, I want you to think about all the times you have sacrificed for somebody else. I want you to think about the time that you paid the money and went on the mission trip to serve that orphanage. I want you to think about the time that you found out somebody had a need and you financially weren't really in a position where you had enough free money to help them, but you just knew you should. And so you sacrificed financially yourself to give money to them. I want you to think about, for some of you, when you made a decision to foster or adopt a child, and there was not a lot of fun in that experience. It was painful, and it was costly. I want you to think about that. Whatever, whatever it was, whatever the examples are, that for many of you, it's when you wake up early every Sunday morning and you show up at church early so you can serve somebody else. Okay, All the times that you've sacrificed for somebody and served them in the last year, I want you to put it in the box. And then... I want you to think about all the money that you've sacrificially given to help somebody in the last year. I want you to put it in the box. And then again, ask yourself the question, what do you feel? What do you feel? I know what you feel because my wife and I feel the same thing. What you feel when you reflect back on those things is you feel fulfillment. You feel satisfaction. You feel contentment. 
As a matter of fact, for some of those things, my wife and I, we get to thinking about those, and we still get emotional about them. You know what the difference is? It's simply this. Not that there's anything wrong with fun, but fun is a moment. Fulfillment is a traveling companion. Fun is always in the rearview mirror, isn't it? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having fun, but fun, the problem with it is it's always in the rearview mirror. Once it's done, it's done. The things you do that are fulfilling, well, fulfilling sits in the passenger seat and just travels with you every single day. As a matter of fact, the more you orient your life around things that fulfill you, the deeper the sense of contentment and peace and satisfaction and purpose you have in your life. It travels with you. It's not just a moment. It sticks with you. It's why it still makes you emotional when you think back on it today. This is what Jesus was driving at. He was saying, listen, it's counterintuitive, but this is the way life works. You try to save your life and hold on to everything and grab everything and get what you want now over and over and over again, you're going to end up losing your life because none of that travels with you. But when you orient your decisions around what you want most, around what matters most, when you're willing to give your life away and say no to yourself so you can say yes to something bigger than you, you actually, in the midst of that, as ironic as it seems, by saying no to you, you find the life you've always wanted. You say, well, I'm still not convinced of that, Matt. Okay, well, Jesus has a couple other questions for you. He says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Let's say all the things that you want now, you go through in your entire life and you get what you want now over and over and over again. You get everything you want. But you get to the end. And your soul's empty. What good is that? Well, okay, it's no good, Jesus. He says, here's another question. What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? In other words, when you get to the end of your life and you've collected all of this fun, are you able then to go, oh, man, I missed it. I got so much fun, I don't have enough fulfilling. I got so much, you know, so much fun, but I, I don't have enough satisfying. I've got so much fun, but I don't have anything that's going to outlast me. I'll tell you what, I'm just going to trade it in. I want to trade in all this fun and swap it out. For, you can't do that, can you? Because, again, you only get one life. Jesus' point was just this, self-denial or self-sacrifice, saying no to yourself, is actually the way to what you want most. Turning your attention from you to the you beside you is actually the road to what you want most. It is just not always the road to what you want now. And whenever what you want now conflicts with what you want most, you have to make a decision based on what you value most. You have to decide, does what I want now trump what I want most? Or am I willing to say no to me today so I can say yes to something bigger than me tomorrow? So, here's what I want to do. I want to take just a minute to give you two challenges. And specifically, I'm giving these challenges to those of you who are part of our church. And if you're a guest, you can, you're not a Christian, you can play along with this because this will work for you. But this is primarily for those of us who are part of this church. And as I thought about doing this, I thought, I'll tell you what, this, this is probably not very smart. I'm telling you that up front. Because what, matter of fact, I bounced it off a few people and they said, I don't know how smart this is. Because I'm not going to ask you to do one big thing, I'm going to ask you to do two big things. And the reason I'm asking you to do two big things, as hard as it is, because most people balk at one and I'm going to ask you to do both of them. The reason I'm challenging you to do both is because these are two decisions 
that will propel you in the right direction. They will, they will accelerate your spiritual growth in a way much bigger than some other decisions. Remember, not all decisions have equal impact. These two decisions, when you make them, have extraordinary impact for the investment you have to make. These are two that just accelerate the momentum of spiritual growth in your life. So, I want to ask you to do them both. Because I think they're in your best interest. And I know from, a, from experience, these are decisions that will move you in a direction. That will lead to a very predictable destination. And it is the place that you most want to be. It is a life of fulfillment and meaning and purpose and satisfaction and significance. So here's the first one I want to ask you to do. To serve consistently. Because some of you don't do this. Some of you do not have any habit in your life where on a weekly or regular basis, it's just in your schedule. I am going to show up and I am going to make this not about me. I'm going to make this about somebody else. Some of you don't have any habit in your life that forces you to go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is about the you beside you. It's not about you, Matt. I'm going to show up and I'm going to make it about them. You don't have any habit in your life, and this sounds weird, but you don't have any habit in your life that forces you to say no to you. Yeah, but I got, I'm busy, and I got things I want to do with that time. I know, I know, I know. But I'm going to say no to me and what I want to do with that time so I can say yes to them and what they need with my time. Some of you don't have this. You need this. So I want to ask you to take a big step that I know because I've watched it happen for 14 years will accelerate and propel your spiritual growth. Serve consistently. That may be at a nonprofit in this community. If that's where you want to do it, that's perfectly fine. Maybe in a school system. If that's where you want to do it, that's perfectly fine. But we need a lot of you serving here, and I would invite you to serve here. If this is your church, you should jump in here. Because every single week or every other week, whenever you're on the serving schedule, it is a chance for you to go, oh, yeah, reminder, this isn't about me. It's about all the people who come in today that I get to serve. So when you walked in today, they gave you a card like this. This is going to be really simple. If you'd like to learn more about this and take this step, all you got to do is fill this card out. Because we've got a lot of opportunities. Our guest services team, which are the incredible people who greet you every week, we need about 50 to 60 more of you to jump in so we can be better at serving the people who are coming. So for some of you, that would be the step you could take. You go, I don't think they need me. Yes, we need you. And you could just show up every other week and be reminded, oh, yeah, it's not about me. It's about that person that comes through the door and that person that comes through the door and that person that comes through the door. We need, we've got opportunities in Takeoff and 252, which are preschool and elementary environments. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. And I'm just talking to those of you who are part of this church. This, this is a little embarrassing for me to even have to say. I asked them, how many more volunteers do we need down, down there to serve our kids well? And we need at least 20 to 25 more volunteers. And I, I was like, are you kidding me? You, you mean to tell me that we don't have enough people willing to invest in the next generation? That was a little embarrassing. Some of you have just been waiting. You need to jump in. You need to jump in and love on some kids every week or every other week. You need to jump in and say, I'm going to take an, a little bit of my time. I'm going to take an hour, and I'm going to invest in these kids coming up. And you don't have to know a lot. You just have to be willing to love them well. We'll take care of helping you with the rest of it. I'll tell you what else we need when it comes to this. The biggest need we have, and you may not even know this is down there, so this is on me. It's not on you. But the biggest need, one of the biggest needs we have down there is for people to do our large group with our kids. Now, let me tell you what large group is. Basically, it's like a theater production every week 
where we teach the kids in a very creative and engaging way the stories, the Bible stories of the week. And we've got all the material to do it. But some of you, you're um, incredible presenters. You present at work all the time. Some of you, you're teachers. We have so many, I can't believe we're even talking about this because we have so many teachers and educators in our church. And you could take what you know, the skills you have, and you could use them in a way that would have such an impact on these kids on Sundays. For some of you, you were in theater, or you were in dance, you did cheer when you were in school, and you've just got an outgoing personality, and you'd be a perfect fit for it. So all you got to do is just mark takeoff for 252 and jump in and help us make these large group experiences for these kids when they come and hear the story, just make it so extraordinary that they can't, they can't help but come out and go, oh man, that was awesome. And then when their parents pick them up, you know what every parent, you, those of you who've been a parent, you know, when you get your kid from church, you ask them two questions. Was it fun? And what did you learn? If they can answer those two questions, it's great. I'm telling you, large group makes it fun and it makes sure they remember what they learn. So for some of you, that would be the thing. For some of you, it's another area. It's, it's our music, it's our production, it's behind-the-scenes stuff, it's helping set up or tear down. We've got so many different opportunities around here, and we didn't have a room to list them all, but there's just another. I'm just telling you, if you're willing to take a step to get involved, it will propel your spiritual growth. And I know what you're thinking, because we all live in the same world. You're like, well, I'm, I'm just too busy. Well, you and everybody else, okay? You and everybody else. So... I'm welcome to introduce you to some of our volunteers who are way busier than you, but that's just awkward when you look at them and tell them you're too busy. So you make time just like me. You make time for what's most important. You just need to fill the card out. When you leave today, guest services people are going to be at the exits, and you can just drop your card in the bucket, or they're going to charge you a $25 cover charge for being here today. It's which, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Whichever way you want to go, just watch them. They may pocket it themselves, but... No, just fill the card out, drop it, give it to them, drop it in the bucket as you leave. And we'll get in touch with you and we'll help you find the right spot and make sure it fits your schedule and all that. But you need to do it. Now, let me just say this and then I'll move on. A few of you, a few of you have served, whether it was here or somewhere else, you served for a while and then you quit serving. And when somebody says something to you about it, you're like, yeah, I did that. And it was fun for a little while, fun for a little while. But then I just got frustrating and I got too busy and honestly, it just... I just wasn't enjoying it anymore. I, got, I didn't like it. And this was wrong and this was wrong, so I just quit. Okay, let me help you out. Do you know why you served and it wasn't fulfilling? Just between us, okay? Just a secret. Because Jesus lied about everything he said. Of course not. No, I'll tell you why. Because you started with your focus on other people. You showed up when you started to serve wherever you were serving. It was all about how you could help the other people. And then over time, what happened to your heart is what can happen to any of ours. You started focusing on yourself. You started focusing on what it was costing you to have to show up and serve. You started focusing on, oh my goodness, this is, this is too much work. This takes too much time. This is too hard. This is too hard. And I don't like the way they're doing that. And I don't like the way they're doing that. And you turned your focus from the you beside you to you. And the minute you did that, guess what you lost? Fulfilling. You lost exactly what Jesus said you were going to lose. You started trying to save your life and make it about you, and you lost your life in the process. Serving wasn't the problem. Your focus was the problem. And you need to jump back in, but you need to jump back in going, I'm going to make this about other people. It's not about me. 
And then you need to see what happens to your spiritual growth when you do that. So that's one big step. The other big step, and I told you this is um, quite an ask for me to ask you to do both things at once, but I'm going to ask you to. The other big thing that I want to ask you to do is to give regularly. To give regularly. To come up, if you don't have it, with an intentional plan to be generous. And when I say give regularly, I mean you decide I'm going to make giving the number one priority in my financial world. So I'm not going to wait till the end of the month and say, well, I got a little bit left over. I think I'll give. No, no, no. You're going to decide what you're going to give, and then you're going to rearrange your entire giving and spending life, or your spending life, excuse me, around your giving. You're going to say, I'm reducing how much I have by this much because I'm giving that first, and now I'm going to figure out how to live on the rest. You need to do that. You need to make it a priority. Now, for those of you who are part of this church, I think you ought to have an intentional plan to support the church you love. Jen and I do. We always have. And we've made it as simple as we can make it for you here. As a matter of fact, we just recently this month shifted to a new giving system to make it even easier for you. You can set up recurring giving in 30 seconds on your phone. It is that simple. 30 seconds and you're done. You're good to go. And then you've made it a priority. And here's all you got to do if you're interested in that. You just That is huge, isn't it? I asked them, why is that so big? And they said, because we don't want them to miss it. So there you go. All you have to do is text Journey Give, all one word, to 77977. It'll send you a link, and in 30 seconds, you're set up. Now, a couple things real quick. One, some of you always get this. Somebody says, you're just trying to get people to give more money to the church. <clears throat> Two answers to that. Number one, heck yeah, I am. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. You know why? Because we have a 14-year track record of look at how we make a difference in this community. So for all the people who look at me and go, I don't want to give and pay for the rent and the staff salaries, no, 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 that's fine. You don't have to. You know why? Because those of us who give here are already covering all that. You're welcome. When you give, you know what it does? It lets us do more in the community, just like we did yesterday. It lets us help more kids with shoes and clothes. It helps us help more college students who show up and they're trying to figure out life and it's their first time away and they don't know where to go or what to do. It helps us show up and help more single moms, just like we did this week, who have gone through one tragedy after another, and we're able to pay for them to go to counseling, and we're able to help with some of their expenses, and we're able to help their kids and them get back on the right track. That's what your giving helps do. So if you want to say, oh, you want more money for the church, heck yeah, I do, and I'll show you exactly where the money goes, because I know what we're going to do with it. We have a 14-year history. We're going to make a huge difference with it. But if you don't want to give it here, that's fine. Give it somewhere else. But give it. Make it a priority. Now, the reason I bring both of these things up is because I'm telling you. When you serve consistently and you give consistently, these two things propel you forward in the right direction. And you know they do or you know they will. And the way you know they will is because of the resistance you have to doing those two things. That's how you know it's a big decision. That's how you know it will actually make a huge impact in your life, because you resist it. Because the more something costs you right now, the more impact it will have later, in most cases. These two things require you to say no to yourself now in the two areas you and I care about the most, your time and your money. But by saying no to yourself to some extent with your time and your money, you say yes to something you want much more. You say yes to fulfilling. You say yes to purpose. 
You say yes to difference, and you say yes to significance. Serving and giving put you on the road to living a significant life. So I want to challenge you, if you're not doing them both, to do them both. To do them both today. Not to say, well, I've been intending, and I've been, no, no, no. Intending is pretending. That's all that is. Intending is pretending. Remember, it is your decisions, not your intentions that determine your direction. So don't pretend anymore. Do it. We've made it as simple for you as we can. You can do both of these in 60 seconds today and get started. But you got to take action. And if you do, now this is the part I don't want you to miss. If you do, Jesus promises there's going to be a payoff for you. That it will lead to something extraordinary. It will lead to what you want most. Here's how he wraps this up. He says, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. One day, in other words, when it's all done, when it's all done, he will reward each person according to what they have done. That's a promise he makes you. Now let me say this and we'll wrap up. There are a group of you here who you get this. You get this. There are a group of you here, you invite people because you have come to understand that everyone is one invitation away from life change and you look for opportunities to try to have conversations with people about faith or invite them to church and God's used you in some incredible ways. People's lives have been changed in some cases simply because you extended an invitation. There's a group of you here you serve too because you get, you get it. You get that God will use you to change the people around you if you will just give him a little bit of your time and make it about somebody besides you. And there's a group of you who give here. And you give because you know where your money goes, your heart follows. And everything about our world and everything about our human nature wants to pull our heart, heart towards what we want now. So you have said, I'm going to make giving the top priority so it pulls my heart towards what I want most. And you've connected here. You've gotten in a group because you understand that growth requires intentional relationships. There are a group of you who are fully engaged. You do all four of these. And you do them consistently. And I know your life is better for it because you've told me. But I just want you to know, first of all, how much I appreciate it. Because our church, we are who we are today. Because of those of you who have decided and been willing to engage with all four of these things. That's why we go into the community. And people find out that I'm from Journey. And they start raving about the impact that our church has made. It's not because of me. It's because of you. And as grateful as I am for what you do. I just want to remind you that your heavenly father is watching. And I know it costs you sometimes. It costs Jen and me sometimes. But he's watching. And the price is worth it because it's going to lead to what we want most in life. But Jesus sweetened the deal and said, not only that. But when you stand before me, I got a reward waiting on you. Because you chose to trust me enough. To lose your life. And in the process of losing your life, you found it. Some of you, you're not doing any of these. Some of you, you're doing some of them and not all of them. And I just want to invite you to fully engage. To fully engage partly because there are 28,000 plus people in our community today who are not in church. And there is no way they will step foot in church 
unless we offer ourselves to God and say, use us, use us to help them see how much you love them. But I want to invite you to do it because I know what these things do for your spiritual growth and for your life. You want a life of bigger purpose? You want your life to be about something greater than you? You want to get to the end of your life and look back and go, man, I got a lot more than just my 60, 70, 80 years on earth to show for this. Look at what God did through me. This is how you get there. You have to be willing to let go of what you value most right now in order to experience and receive what you value and want most in life. Not all decisions have equal impact. These decisions will change your life. I've watched it happen for 14 years. And more than anything else, I want it to happen for you. But it is your decisions, not your intentions, that will determine the direction of your life, and ultimately it will lead you to a very predictable destination. I just want it to be the right destination for you. Would you pray with me? Father, wherever this lands and whatever this looks like, would you give us the courage to be willing to let go of what we want right now? Because that's what holds us up. It's us going, nope, I don't want to let go of that time. I don't want to let go of that money. I don't want to let go of that comfort. I don't want to let go of that security. But in the process of trying to save our lives, we lose it. We miss it. We don't get to go back and replay that and redo the opportunity. I just don't want us to miss those anymore. So would you help us to have the courage to be willing to lose our life in the moment, to make it about someone other than ourselves. And in the end, because you are such a loving God, you do for us what we never saw coming. You give us what we most wanted. For the people who are part of this church, who are so faithful to invite and serve and give and connect, I'm so grateful for them. Would you honor their sacrifice? And would you continue to use us to help people in this community know that there's a God who's for them and there's a group of people at this church that are for them. And we'll do whatever we can to help them experience your love and your grace. That's in Jesus' name we pray.